Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Josh Griffin. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Inspirational Australians podcast. Joining me today, we have Emma Money, who I met back in 2017 as part of the Young Achiever Awards for South Australia, where Emma was a finalist and went on to be the winner in the Webster's Lawyer's Service to the Community Award. Since then, I've followed Emma's journey from afar, but uh, really enjoy, often been inspired myself uh, in a lot of the, the hardships that Emma has to go through just to live a normal life. And so I'm really excited to speak to her today. In addition to her involvement with the Young Achiever Award, she's also now currently the 2020 Australian of the Year South Australian Local Hero. Now, Emma suffers from cystic fibrosis, and I love this term, you know, she is a cystic fibrosis fighter. And for those who don't know, uh, CF for short, is the most common life-threatening illness affecting Australians today. Emma has an incredible list of achievements and she continues to make a positive difference within the community. Emma, thanks so much for uh, being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me today, Josh. Very excited to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I'm wondering if we can get started by uh, seeing if you can, you know, remember from those few years ago, three years ago, seems like a lifetime now, especially because 2020 itself seems to have gone for three years. <laughs> but, um, if you can remember back in 2017, being part of the Young Achiever Awards and, yep. uh, and what kind of that experience was like for you? You know, it's very funny. I have a very, I've got a confession to make about that. <laughs> yeah. So when I, I got an email to say that I had been nominated and um, I didn't realise it was a legitimate email. I thought it was spam. So I probably got two following it up, asking me further questions, and I just didn't think much of it. Then I finally got a phone call from someone saying, actually, you've been nominated, you're a, a finalist. And I was, I was very overwhelmed in the way of um, just shocked. So I was like, oh, I probably need to take this seriously. Um, and I think in saying that, it's when, when someone nominates you for such a credible achievement um, or in a category like that, you know, it really puts it into perspective for the work that you do within whatever that world is. So for me, within the CF community and, and the broader community here in um, South Australia, it was a really humbling experience in just being nominated um, to acknowledge the work that I do. So I, um, yeah, I, I, again, when I got to the awards night, I actually remember the night and I was a bit oblivious to just how significant the award was. And I was taken away by the people that were actually um, attending as far as, you know, the other nominees in, in my category as well as the other categories. Um, I think it was just such a great award in the sense that there are so many unsung heroes doing wonderful things within their communities and beyond. So um, I really enjoyed the experience. I still speak to some of the other people within the category I was in. And you sort of become a part of an alumni. Um, you know, forever and, and have these new contacts with people that are like-minded to an extent. So, yeah, it was a very, um, very overwhelming experience. And then to have my name called out, you know, they tell you, prepare a speech just in case you win. Um, you never know. And then I'm, all of us were laughing, saying, oh, we, you know, it won't be me. The next comment we got was, you're probably all thinking, it won't be me. So when my name got called out and you see your picture up on the big screen and knowing who is in the audience, um, there's very important people there 
um, yeah, I, I, I was in tears. I, I'm pretty sure in my speech I cried um, and I felt like I was winning a Logie. <laughs> um, you know, I've always wanted to be, I always just sort of loved being in the media. So it was kind of my time to shine on stage. So yeah, it was a very, um, I'm still very humbled to have, to have been recognised in that, in that environment. Sure, we'll have to post a photo actually um, to our Instagram page, inspirational.australians uh, uh, Instagram page, because yeah, you are beaming in that photo um, of you <laughs> accepting the award. And I think what you're describing there, you could really see in that photo. You're like, oh my God, I can't believe. Oh, I have to see the photo you're talking about. I, I genuinely, um, I took my parents along that night, you know, saying, oh, come to this award. And even they said to me, they said, Emma, you really need to have a look at these things that, you know, that when you get told you're in a category like this it's a very important event so <laughs> I, I was very oblivious to just how significant it is but wow what a what an amazing beginning of you know a journey that I've you know if you told me three years later this is where I would be now I would not have imagined half of the things that I've been able to do and I think it all comes down to you know um, someone said to me recently that when you do things in a um, in a voluntary a volunteer role, um, uh, you know, so me for my stuff I do with cystic fibrosis, the advocacy, the mentoring, the fundraising, um, even being the ambassador for the Cure for CF Foundation, it's all a voluntary role. I don't get asked, I don't get paid to do it, and it's yeah. for the love of what I'm doing and my passion. So when you win an award, or, or you even just be, be recognised in a nomination sort of um, category. It's very humbling to, um, you know, have that behind you and, and have these commu this community of support. So my aim every year is to sort of now, this person recently said to me, if you can get one nomination a year for some sort of an award, it's kind of like you're setting yourself a um, oh, yeah. own professional growth. Um, so, yeah, it, so that this award really set the standard for me. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Well, um, it is interesting reading your, you know, the little profile we had on you from back then and then to, to now. And I know, you know, you mentioned just then the growth, like you, I know now you're doing so much um, great, like motivational speaking and public mm -hmm. speaking um, mm -hmm. at events. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of been a bit of a change in the last few years. How have you, how did you get into that originally? Yeah, so I always, I, I guess when you talk about growth and when I talk about growth, I started speaking, I always sort of have spoken very publicly and openly to an extent about my personal journey of living with cystic fibrosis. My story is very far from, from normal, um, you know, having been given up for adoption because of my illness and there are so many things which I'm sure we'll go into in a little bit. Um, but I think the growth that came from it is when I realised that you know, I can be a voice for not just myself, but to help others. So I started talking um, in schools across South Australia um, from, and, and I used to just sort of, people would say that I've got cystic fibrosis and I would talk about my, my journey um, and also the learnings and the things that I've learned, you know, um, <clears throat> there's been so many different things from having an invisible disability to growing up and, and coming from, you know, being bullied through high school, I started to work out probably in the last couple of years in particular that there are so many elements of my life story that are actually really good lessons. So I, I'm very big on, you know, in order to make things happen sometimes in life, you need to own that and be in control of that. So I don't knock on doors. I like to kick doors down, so to speak. Um, and then I can deal with the mess and what, what, what it is. 
So I actually got in touch with someone, actually my brother-in-law helped me, he's in the education department, and we worked out my story and the key points and what part of it would be um, looked at from an education, from the education department. So we aligned my personal story and my talks and the key outputs and um, to align with the health and physical education. My, my actual talks that I can do in schools are, um, kids, the kids can be graded on that. There's, there's so many key learnings from what I actually talk about. So it's a lesson. So I'm really proud to talk, like I said, you know, I talk about disability, diversity, resilience, and it's just a matter of, you know, I've been through so much and I'm, I've been able to tie it all together to, to put it out there um, to help others. And I always say if my story can help one person a day or if my attitude can you know be what somebody needs to hear once you know, in in a day? Then I I can sleep at night knowing that you know I'm changing the world literally to be a better place. Yeah, and that's all you can do, just one one at a time. Because um, mm. I think sometimes people can bite a bit off of a bit more than they can chew. Otherwise, yeah, but, um, yeah, definitely. I do want to touch on uh, you know what you mentioned just before um, about you know your story being a bit different and. You know, that's, if I'm being honest, when you Google Emma Money, one of the first articles that comes up is, in, you know, it does talk about how you were adopted and, and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. You know, can you give people a little bit of a background on, you know, maybe explain a bit of that about you know, your story? Yeah, sure. So, um, I literally, in a nutshell, I was given up for adoption. My biological family were, were new to Australia from Greece. Um, so when they had me, there was a very there was limited language, um, English background, given that they're, they're Greek. So they were told when I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed with birth with cystic fibrosis, which most babies are. Um, just a bit of an, a fact, you know, every four days in Australia, a baby is born with CS. It's very common. Um, it is hereditary. Babies are all tested now at birth to see if they have CS. So it's a heel prick on the on the bottom of their heel that they undergo. So I was diagnosed straight away. Um, and back then, I was born in 87. So back then, if you were to look at the statistics of cystic fibrosis for a child to survive childhood was very unlikely. Um, so my story is a bit quirky in the way of I was given up for adoption. I was born in October. By Christmas, I already had a mum and dad who were undergoing um, an adoption course. Now, my parents are very amazing people. You know, they one, they adopted me knowing I had cystic fibrosis. But two, my dad is a paraplegic. So he um, has no kidneys and just a bit of a side story. But during COVID, um, you know, we've always joked, dad's always had one leg, one hip. His story is amazing and remarkable. But during COVID, he was involved in an accident and actually had the only leg he has amputated. So, so Really? My family, this last few months, our story just never seems to get dull. There's always something crazy going on. <clears throat> so my dad's my inspiration um, because, you know, he continues to not let his disability define him. And I, I see him crush and, and fall, but I, I've learned how he rises and, and overcomes things. So I'm very grateful for that. But I guess having them adopt me, they never saw me as a, as a baby that was going to die. Um, like many people would potentially think and you know I know many new parents that have little ones that are diagnosed with CS if oh, naturally we google what that is and it is very confronting if not scary um, just to think of what you go through so I'm really grateful to have a mum and dad that 
not only adopted me because of it, but never saw CF as a as a bad thing. And having a dad with a very visible disability, knowing that I have an invisible disability, <clears throat> pardon me, you know, he actually missed my first birthday because he was representing Australia in the Seoul Paralympics wow. in powerlifting, weightlifting. So disability's never been a reason for um, you know failure in our family, and it's never been seen as that. So that yeah, I have two amazing parents who adopted me <clears throat> and gave have given me this wonderful life that I've had. And there's been a lot of hiccups along the just a few days before my 17th birthday. Um, I actually found my biological parents here in Adelaide wow. by accident. By accident. <clears throat> yeah. And I went on to find out that my birth father actually told my birth mother that I had passed away. So she believed she'd given me up for adoption and then that the baby had passed away. Um, I have a brother four years older than I am and he remembers um, his baby sister passing away. He said he used to go visit her in the hospital and then he wasn't allowed to anymore because she wasn't there. So... You could imagine the can of worms that that opened. And oh, obviously, no. I'm, I'm to talk about it, but there is obviously a lot that I, I don't go into with that. So the adoption side of my life, let alone everything else, that's, that's been a roller coaster, big time. Totally. Yeah. Even... <laughs> no, yeah, it leaves you speechless, doesn't it? Like Crazy stuff. I need to hook up into uh, Steven Spielberg. I reckon he'd be able to make a good movie about my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, wow, Emma. So, um, you know, if you don't want to go into it, that's fine. But how did you stumble across them, your your parents? Yeah. And so, actually, um, I need to know quickly, your dad is yes. all right? Yes, my dad. This is the he best thing about this right. story. Um, he, went, he ended up in rehab for a couple of months um, of late, of <laughs> recent. Um, and it's really funny because they say, you know, how your energies, I'm all about energies and all of that. And, you know, when you see your parents or someone close to you with suffering and in pain, you don't realise how that affects you. So watching my dad go through that obviously affected our entire family, but it's probably been the last month where he's made some decisions um, for his health and what a positive change it's made. Um, and I've just learned, you know, if dad can, I guess, yeah, if you can appreciate and accept sometimes that things aren't always going to be okay once you learn what the problem is. So he's now learned he's a man with no legs. Um, and he's died three times a week because he's obviously got no kidneys. And um, there is so much for dad to not be happy about in that, but he doesn't feel sorry for himself. But, and he continues to, oh, he just never ceases to amaze me. He's amazing. So he's very happy. He's got, you know, us keeping him on his, I say toes, but <laughs> on his wheels, <laughs> so to speak. So he's a very positive person. I'm very lucky to have, to have that. Um, so... Yeah, so my birth family, crazy, right? <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I was only, I was out one evening with some girlfriends. Um, I was 16, around 16. I was an underage um, disco. I had a friend drop me home, a friend's friend. It sounds a bit dodgy, this story. I had a, a really good friend of mine who was a male who had another friend, right? I'll try not to lose you with this explanation. Um, so this male friend's friend said he could drop me and my two girlfriends home because I missed the last train home and it was the first time my mum had ever trusted me to do the right thing and I missed the train. Typical. So you needed um, to get home at a decent time. I needed to get home, that's it. So as we were driving, we had about a 45 minute drive. The driver kept looking at me in the revision mirror 
And I was a little bit uncomfortable, naturally. Um, and then I remember him saying to me a few things like, what do you, why do you think you're out so late? Um, I was very confused. And my other friend, he said, oh, she's obviously not who you think she is. Um, this is just how I remember it. And anyway, turned out this male, this guy actually thought I was my biological sister, who's 14 months younger than I am. And he said, oh, I'm really sorry. I thought you were somebody else. He asked me what nationality I was. And I said, oh, I'm Greek. Um, so he said a couple of words in Greek to me. I said, hey, sorry, I, I don't understand Greek. And he said, how do you call yourself a Greek? Because you can't even speak Greek. And I thought, oh, we've got a long car ride. I'll tell him the story about my adoption. Anyway, he pulled over and said, oh, my God. Um, he actually was very good friends with my biological brother and remembers my biological brother losing a, a baby sister. So he rang my brother there and then and said, you'll never guess who's in the car. And you could imagine how I was feeling. Like, this was absolutely crazy. And I mean, I've always known I'm adopted. My dad's black, I'm white. It's a dead giveaway. Um, and mum and dad have always been very open about my cystic fibrosis, um, the adoption, if I've ever wanted to know anything. Um, I'm very lucky I've been brought up in that supportive environment. So um, anyway... I spoke to my brother very briefly that evening and he got very angry at me and sort of said I was a crazy person and his sister died and I'm not who I say I was. Anyway, with that information, I obviously told my parents and good old Google just took a couple of things to enter into Google, um, which you couldn't do now. But um, yeah, within a couple of months, I actually found where they live, which happened to just be not very, not too far from where I am here in Adelaide. Um, and then I thought I would send my birth mum and sister a letter telling them who I was and, uh, sorry, mum and brother a letter. And the day my birth mum got her letter, I was actually in the, um, the paper here in Adelaide and the article was beating illness should be in fashion. So it was like the first modelling gig where I was, because I did a bit of modelling back in the day, um, first gig where I combined modelling and CF and in my letter I explained who I was and Long story short, we ended up all meeting and um, it was very, yeah, it was very difficult for a while because this woman thought that I had passed mm -hmm. away. There was a, a sister who never even knew I had existed, a brother older who was just in awe. I, I'll tell you the story. I met him first, actually. He rang me after receiving his letter. He got his first. My birth mum got hers the day after. So me and my girlfriend were driving down um, a main road going for a Hungry Jack's run, actually, because we just got our driver's licence. And as you do, you go for a, a cruise. The first thing so we were, first thing that's I did. It. Well, yep, yep, I think we all did that. So we were going for a cruise and I was in my trackies and I had this boy ring me and said, hi, I'm, hi, is this Emma? And I said, yeah, it is. And he said, you know, it's so-and-so and it's your brother. And I literally um, nearly slammed, I slammed the brakes on the car and rang my mum. He wanted to meet me there and then. And I rang mum and said, I've got to come home. I've got to get changed. I, mean, I need to put makeup on them. So just go as you are. Just be you. Like, just go as you are. We pulled into a petrol station and I'll never forget, and he still holds this very dear to him. It was like a movie. I got out of the car and between us was a van. So all I could see was his eyes and all he could see was my eyes. And it was just the most weirdest thing. I just, I was connected in that. I can't even explain it. It was so bizarre. He grabbed me and just hugged me and sobbed. Um, it, it was very weird. And then he went into typical, my idea of a Greek brother. You know, you drink, you smoke, you do this, do that. 
no, 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 I've got a lung disease. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so we, we have a friendship. So we're, you know, fast forward all these years later, my whole family, we all met and obviously that opened a lot of things for the, that family. Um, so today I have a very, um, I have a relationship with my birth father. He's very honest and open and my birth mother, well, I don't even know, we don't talk, um, nor do I not speak to my sister. So it's a bit, bit bittersweet, I guess, you know, yeah. when you're a, you never know what outcome to expect from that sort of a circumstance. But um, I'm glad I did it. I got to put another piece in my jigsaw puzzle for life. Yeah, that's, um, you know, obviously without known situation, but some mental scars are too strong, too deep yeah. to um, be repaired. So that's, you know, mm. I'm glad that you had some positive outcomes of that. Yeah, I definitely yeah. did. Wow, that's seriously incredible. It's crazy, isn't it? I kind of think... Oh, yeah, and it's funny. So my children now, it's, you know, they know they've got a great grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> and then they've got my dad, who's actually um, an islander. So they call him Dapa, which is grandpa in Malay. That's my okay. dad's language background. So we've got a Malaysian grandpa, a Greek grandpa, and then an Australian grandpa. <laughs> so we have a very, div you know, cultural, diverse family. Um, but it's nice, you know. It's, um, it it sounds, like the, sounds like the beginning of a bad joke. I know, right? Greek grandpa, Malaysian grandpa. <laughs> I know, right? I've got to find a punchline for it. <laughs> <laughs> Wheels oh, into a bar in this case. <laughs> All right. So yeah. That's, yeah, that's crazy. I don't even know how we, uh, yeah, it's impossible to segue from that cleanly. So <laughs> I know, what, I do, what I do want to ask you about is, um, you know, we're talking about um, your journey with Sia. Yeah. You know, that's kind of been the overarching um, theme here. So. What what is a day, or maybe not a day, but you know what? what like, can you give people some background on what you know some of the those struggles are with CF? Because as you said, it's an invisible disability, yeah. and sometimes it's hard for people to wrap their heads around that. Yeah, definitely. It's um, I guess one of the. I mean, I'm I'm actually sick at the moment. So I um, for those that are listening, I'm gonna watch what I'm talking about on my Instagram CF Mummy. I, this week was a really hard week for me in the way of explaining what say yes is like. I'm normally a very positive person. You know, um, I go to the gym most days or have some kind of exercise because the, the mucus is a lot thicker and stickier in a person with cystic fibrosis lungs. So you can hear I'm a little bit husky at the moment. I'm coughing a little bit, clearing my throat. Um, <clears throat> so when uh, a simple cold comes in play, that can turn into a chest infection because the mucus buildup in our lungs is so thick and sticky that it, um, you know, it's very easy for bacterial infections to get stuck in, in the lungs. So we require physiotherapy to help remove the thick mucus, I guess, off the lungs. So for me, I try and do normal people's stuff so I don't feel like I'm constantly doing CF drugs and, and treatments. So the gym for me is a really good way to get the lungs moving and, and cough. Um, but I posted the other day, so I go to the hospital every couple of months and have my lung function measured, which is where they look at the, um, your lung capacity. And when you see the results, it comes out in a percentage. Now, the lower the percentage, um, it's an indication as to how we can monitor the CF lungs and, and where you're at health-wise. So for me, the last few months, I've been really working hard on, on my exercise side of things. And I, I posted a story, I was at the hospital and I was like, right guys, you know, I'm here, I'm feeling really good. Posted very much real time as it was happening, did my lung function and it is honestly the worst it's been 
in a very long time. So I try to film it and be quite positive, but I broke down in tears because I just, I couldn't pretend that I was okay with that. Yeah. So the result of that for me is I'm a bit sick at, well, I'm sick. I can't, I've got to keep trying to not justify it for myself. I am sick at the moment. So my days at the moment, I do um, a good hour and a half in the mornings of inhaled antibiotics through the nebulizer. There's a couple of different ones that I, I put in the neb. Um, I have a cocktail. Yeah, it's I've seen basically that on your Instagram page, yeah. Yeah, and I've I've got one a nebulizer I take in the car with me, so I can put the drug in and um, basically different the different drugs that I use help to open the airways and things like that. So and that's an hour and a um, half of of that. Yeah, different ones up to an hour and a half. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, in fact, let's say an hour, but because I have the kids, you know, I've got to like this morning. I'm trying to get a school lunch ready, um, do my nebulizers whilst getting the kids sorted. I've then got my antibiotics and my tablets that I take. So there's a couple of elements with that. Um, a CF person has a pancreatic insufficiency. So my pancreatic system doesn't work like yours would. So every time I eat, my body doesn't uh, produce a pancreas to digest my food. So I have to take pancreatic enzymes to allow my body to, to um, I guess, digest the food properly. So I have up to 30 of those a day. It used to be 60, but over the years it's come down. Yeah, that's nothing. Oh my God. So what do you mean? I that a, a 30 tablets or? Yes, I have four to six with meals and snacks. Um, anytime I have anything that needs digesting, okay, wow. basically. Yeah, so I have that. And on top of that, I have, yeah, my, my you know, multivitamins, antibiotics, and tablet form. So I do that in the morning and I do that in the evening, the tablet side of things. Um, then I have all day, obviously, the pancreas. And then at the minute, because I'm unwell and I'm trying to avoid intravenous treatment, so I'll tell you a bit about that in a sec, but I do the morning of inhaled drugs, then I do some form of physiotherapy, um, which I'll go for a run or go for a walk, go to the gym. Um, and then I repeat it all again in the afternoon. And then I do my nighttime tablets, antibiotics, and then I do before bed a whole nother lot of the inhaled treatment again. You got to remember that these drugs as well through the nebulizer. Like I literally, my hands shake. There are side effects from all these drugs, so it's like a full-time job trying to manage mm -hmm. CF. Um, and then, like I said, I've got the kids, so yeah. very busy trying to fit it in. So if in two weeks' time my lungs don't improve, what this means is I will have to undergo intravenous treatment, where I have a needle put in for two weeks, um, which I absolutely dread. I the side effects, as I've gotten older, the side effects of the antibiotics are really nasty. Um, and then obviously I've stuck, I'm stuck with a needle in me, um, which again, my kids see that I do it all from home. So we have a nurse, the physio, the whole cystic fibrosis team popping in most days to, to check in. Um, I do get to do it from the comfort of my home, but it, it is very difficult. So I'm on day one technically of all the at-home stuff to avoid the intravenous stuff. So for right. me, daily CF life, it's, yeah, now I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> it's a full-time job. When I'm not sick, I do the morning nebulizers and the evening, evening nebulizers and the cocktail of tablets most days. I've just sort of answered yeah. up a little bit at the moment. Um, it is yeah, full on. And, you know, you keep on. mentioning um, <laughs> doing that on top of the kids because that's, you know, so much work just having kids and then... Yeah. I do all that on top of it and you know you're talking about having um that as a full-time job but like you also are so active I know for a fact you just mentioned um off air that you're doing uni now as well 
I am. Yeah, I just, um, it, you know what, it's really funny. I've always had this mindset because of cystic fibrosis that i got to rush through life because, you know, they say there's always been a stigma around the life expectancy of 37 for cystic fibrosis people. Um, I'm 33 this year, uh, next month actually, now I think about it. Um, and I look at all the people over the years that have lost their life to CF. And there's over 10 friends I could tell you that I've lost because their lungs have deteriorated. They've resulted in a lung transplant, which is the ultimate end game. Um, so organ donation, you know, I very much advocate for that because I've seen the life it's given back to, to my friends. However, I've also seen that the lungs have rejected in the new, in people. So oh, yeah. a bit of a catch 22. So I've lost a lot of friends to it. So coming to uni and stuff, I've always rushed through life. I've always had all these you know, I say I have a list of to-dos, not a list of impossibles, because, you know, we should never say never. Um, but I never imagined uni, because that's not a quick thing, you know. It's like you've got to study, and then you've got to find a job. I wanted to know what I was doing and kind of smash it all out. So I've started uni. I'm doing a double degree. I'm doing a Bachelor of Journalism and Creative Writing. Um, so very busy, very, um, yeah. I'm, I don't know how I'm fitting it all in, because as well as that, you know, I'm speaking at um, not just schools across the state at the moment, but I'm um, with COVID, obviously, a lot of stuff is on Zoom. So I'm doing quite a few uh, Zoom sessions with corporate organisations, um, just spreading some positivity around around the country. So, yeah, it's a bit busy, really. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just a little. Yeah, well, uh, so that's two nice little takeaways so far. So the first one, I had to grab my pen and paper, scribble it down. Yeah. I don't knock on doors. I knock them down. Was yep. that the correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't knock. I bang them down. I like get that right the first one. That was awesome. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then the second one. So there's not impossible. It's a list of to dos or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't have a to do list. No. What is it? What do I say? I have a list of to dos, not a list of impossibles. Yeah. No, that's great. They're good little things that you can just take with you. And, you know, you mentioned CF Mummy, your Instagram page before. Yeah, I definitely yeah. encourage people to give it a follow because it, it does open your eyes a little bit to what CF is about. Um, I think, you know, sometimes it's not one of those, you know, a disability that's really talked about that much. I think so the mm. advocacy that you do is really important to get it a bit Thank more normalised. Um, and then secondly, there's just lots of great positivity and inspirational you know, moments and just normal, you can relate, you know, the stuff with the kids and all that. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like you know that I'm having, oh, sorry, with my page, it's funny, my parents, you know, my, my close friends and family are my um, <laughs> worst critics in a positive way. They'll be like, oh, Emma, you're having an emotional day, aren't you? You posted all these <laughs> quotes today. I was like, do you know what? Sometimes I think, I don't know about you, but I love a good quote or a, an affirmation. So when I'm having like, you might catch me on a Sunday night and I'll post like 15 quotes in my stories, but out of the 15, somebody relates to at least one of them for whatever that situation may be. So, you know, I might do that one day. Then another day I'm in real girl boss mode and I'm like, right, we're going to really kick some goals today and, and, you know, smash life. And then there's days like yesterday where I, I could not have even pretended if I tried, I literally cried most of my day at different times I was just so overwhelmed with just the reality of life which again I, I sort of posted a little bit 
Um, but I'm very unapologetically sometimes. I did mm. apologise yesterday for being a cook, but um, apologetically, authentically me. And I think that we all should be a bit like that in life. You know, yeah. vulnerable is good. Yeah, definitely. Well, to put you on the spot a little bit, when you are yeah. having those days or those times yeah. where you're feeling down, where do you kind of look to find your inspiration? Um, at the moment, and I can answer that because I'm going through it realistically at the moment, I'm just trying to remember that, you know, I look at what my dad's just been through um, and think he managed to positively come out of how he was feeling. Um, I guess I just, you know, honestly look at what positive things there are going on and I really try and focus on, like I'm sitting here, I've got some paper in front of me, and I just work out what is in my control and what isn't in my control. And then the things that are in my control, prioritise those. So do I really need to be doing this today or can I wait until next week to focus on that? Um, so that's probably the real hands-on sort of way of at the minute I'm trying to go, okay, let's work through it, take a deep breath. And the other thing I love, which I'm very lucky I can do this, um, I go drive down to the beach, we've got a beautiful esplanade, and I go for a good 10, 12K walk and I listen to my music and, you know, that seems to be a little bit of respite for me. So, yeah, it's tough though. You, I think you've got to really um, be okay. And I often see these quotes all the time, people going, you know, it's okay to not be okay. And, you know, I keep reminding myself that, you know, even the strong have to crumble every now and then and that's okay as well. Um, yeah, just kind of remind myself that you don't have to be strong all the time for everyone and, um, it's just time will pass, you know. Yeah. So the rain always stops, doesn't it? So so does right. so does the sadness. Yeah. That's <laughs> great. Um, the other thing I wanted to kind of ask you, and you know, just making sure that we talk about it because yeah, um, our lovely producer Annette alerted me to this. Um, yeah. Something I didn't know that you've actually faced a little bit of criticism or you know some. I'm not sure if bullying is the appropriate word. You might be able to tell me if it yeah. is or not. About, you know, you as a cystic fibrosis fighter, someone who, who lives with that, having children. Mm. Can you, you know, shed a bit of light on that? And, you know, is that accurate to say? You've faced a bit of, I guess, back, backlash? Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing I've had to really grow or learn is to have a bit of thick skin. And people that know me personally... I don't actually have as thick a skin as I look. So I'm very good at putting a smile on and being that way. And then I will get out of a hundred people, I might get one person that will criticize me and I will crumble at that. So I'm really mm -hmm. learning to be strong and confident and, and have that self-belief around what I'm doing and, and my own decisions. Might not always make the right decisions, but you know, we've got to learn. Um, but I think, there's two parts to the, the bullying and stuff, because I've even got it this week just in a health perspective um, of every person with cystic fibrosis, and I will spread it out because I know there are people listening that don't just have CF, but everybody goes through some sort of hardship or health problems or knows someone that's struggling, right? Um, we can all 100% relate to that. So for me, when I bring it back to my personal journey, my health may look so great to other people that have CF or other people in general, but they don't know the battlefield mentally that I'm going through or physically under my, within my own lungs. Like for me, I'm so blessed to have two beautiful, healthy children. They don't have cystic fibrosis. Um, but those that are, that are parents know that kids are full on. That's a big job. 
Um, but my story and my journey and my experiences are mine. And then there might be someone next to me whose lungs, for example, might be, you know, 50% less than what my lung capacity is, but they're still living a, a full life and, and doing amazing things. So I find this journey um, and becoming CF mummy has really taught me to, you know, we're, we're all different and to appreciate that everybody has their own battles and struggles. And whilst my healthiness looks great to some, for me, when I, especially this week, saw those decline in, in lung function numbers, that crushed me because that scared the hell out of me, that that's lung damage. And then the mentality behind that is, okay, I'm, am I ever going to get it back up again? Does that mean I'm, I've got lesser years with my children coming? So there's a lot more. So I've really learned that. Um, so I'm continuously, I do get sort of, um, you know, told off in some way that, you know, oh, you're actually doing really well and I'd love to be in your position. And you, I, I don't actually share everything. So I've got to learn to sort of be positive back. Um, and I've also found the criticism that I, I don't get too much of it lately, thankfully. Um, I mean, I was bullied quite badly through high school. Um, but I think it's through the bullying that I learned to, to get sort of strong from, you know, from that in a very bizarre way. Um, but when I fell pregnant with my daughter, it was, you know, we fell pregnant naturally. Men with cystic fibrosis are infertile. There's a very small amount of men within the community that have children naturally. Um, but majority of IVF and things like that. For women, when I fell pregnant, um, we didn't know we could have children. So it was a big shock. Um, but I Googled CF women and pregnancy and there was nothing encouraging about having a baby when you've got a life-threatening illness, you know. And then I would post on forums, why would you have a baby if you know you're going to die? All of that sort of an attitude. And I, I thought, I look at my dad and the life he's lived. He's got myself and my younger brother and sister. He's lived the fullest life. So that's when I was like, right, I'm going to start CF Mummy. I want to show people that we can get pregnant and this is what it looks like and sort of take people on that journey. Well, that just blew up as well because mm. um, we all know the media like to have a good story. The Daily Mail posted a story about me being pregnant and there were so many comments on the story because that's a worldwide um, you know, news articles. Yeah. So there was all these comments. Why? Yeah. Again, why would you have children? How selfish are you to do that? And I thought, do you know what? There's so many people in in life. You know, I've got to look at CF in a way that um, it's kind of a precaution. I, you might pass away. God forbid, it doesn't happen. But you might get hit by a car tomorrow. You might know someone that gets diagnosed with cancer. Meanwhile, I have the life-threatening lung disease that so-called has an expiry date. Um, you just never know. So. I, again, this comes from the, the upbringing that I have, but I'm very fortunate to, I guess, have that instilled in the back of me. So when I do cop it a little bit, um, I just have to remember to be empathetic. You know, that person might be coming from a place of sadness in their own world and journey. So yeah. I just learned to be really thick-skinned. I'm still not that thick-skinned. I like to think I am. But, yeah, you just have to... Do what's right for you. And I look at my kids now and do you know what? My kids have, like I said before, my dad's, a, a, he's a black man. So, and he's got no legs now. So my kids are growing up in a, an environment where, you know, my daughter, poor thing, <laughs> she gets so embarrassed that I'm either on a magazine or a poster or something. She goes, oh, mum, you're so embarrassing. Um, but they're being brought up in an environment of um, seeing that colour and disability is normal. And why should yeah. people be treated differently? Exactly. So, 
I'm giving them some great lessons without even realising. I think that's yeah. a really encouraging thing. And I'm so sorry that you get those comments online. It must be so hard because oh. I know personally I don't take criticism well. And so yeah. I can imagine if publicly I was getting that criticism. But so important because that's what people need to understand. And it will only happen through people like you sharing your journey is that every yeah. life is important and that every yeah. life is equal no matter what yeah. that person has physical wise, mentally wise, as you've said already. And so, yeah. but th yeah, you're doing a great job just trying to help change people's perceptions because unfortunately it will only happen over time. Um, exactly. Yeah. So it's, a, it's a long, hard battle, but yeah, we need lots of people like you, Emma, who are doing that. Thank you. And you know, I know um, you mentioned before you've been on Dylan Alcott's podcast recently. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so he's also another one who's, so inspirational about how he approaches his, you know, yeah. disability, and um, he wouldn't change it for for anything. So, no, it's so important. Um, and Dylan and I were saying, you know, um, us as people that are in the public eye who have a disability, he's visible. I'm invisible. Um, but it's up to someone like us to continue to encourage other people to not be ashamed, whether it's a mental health condition or even diabetes, you know, like people have to pop out a, an insulin pen at lunch and things like that. We shouldn't be ashamed of that, but we need people like us to be confident in the messages that we're sharing that, you know, I would hate for us all to be the same. We'd be a very boring world if we were all exactly the same. So we need to embrace the differences within each other and, and appreciate and accept, accept people for who they are and, and be okay with that. Um, one thing I always tell my, my audiences when I talk is, I think Ellen DeGeneres actually says it as well, but I'm going to claim it. And I know it's out there. <laughs> I know um, But, um, you know, smile at a stranger. If you're in a supermarket, smile at someone if they're by themselves. If you're walking down, you know, when I go for my walks along the beach, I smile at people and they kind of give me a funny look. But you never know what kind of day someone's having. And it kind of restores people's faith in humanity that, oh, there is a friendly person out there. And it might be, you know, in the two weeks time when they're having a bad day they go oh yeah i miss that random person that smiled me like they'll think of that and it will bring a little bit of a i don't know i just yeah smile at a stranger you never know what someone's going through it might save them yeah well the other host of this podcast jeff who's my dad um yep. we you know we work together in a family business you guys will get along so well because his little <laughs> personal mantra is to you know compliment people as much as he can because exactly what you said it does make people you know, it brings a smile to their face and you never know what kind of day they're having. And this is the uh, most embarrassing thing. It's probably only embarrassing because I'm his son, but when we travel <laughs> together for work events and stuff, he'll go into an elevator and you know, most people, they face the front of the doors and very quiet. Does he talk to he everyone? the other way and faces everyone and says, <laughs> how are you going today? Like, oh yeah, I love, love that shirt or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. So, um, oh, bless him. And that's I know, so good. Yeah, and it, it is a good. You it's like the old, um, you know, on the train as well, no one talks. It does, it just brings a bit of conversation and you're right. You never know yeah. what it could do to someone's day. So. No, you really don't. Like, you, you really don't. I tell you what, I've done a few talks of late in a couple of schools here in South Australia. Um, and I've had the parents of the kids contact me through CF Mummy. And, like, I'm just forever overwhelmed and, and humbled by, you know, me being me. Um, really positively impact these kids and um, just kind of restores their faith in, in self-belief and 
you never know, you know, the influence that, that you as an individual, whether you're in the public eye or, you know, walking in the street, smiling at someone, we all have some sort of influence with others. So it's important to know that. Before we wrap up, Emma, um, you know, 2020 this year, you were the South Australian local hero. Yes. Which has been pretty cool. Um, yeah. So, you know, what do you think might be on the horizon for, you know, 2021 or even beyond that? What are you kind of going to be working on in the future? Oh, goodness me. I've got a few things. It's never a dull moment. I'm actually working on a book at the moment. I've already got um, a book that I wrote when I was 16, actually, The Words Inside. Um, it's called, and that was an autobiography about finding my birth family, the bullying I encountered. But I was a 16-year-old and it was written back then. So I'm working on my second book at the moment. I'm hoping to have it out by Mother's Day next year. Um, so I'm just working on looking for a publisher at the moment with that. That's probably my, my big thing. But to be honest, um, I've had a lot go on in the last 18 months. And I'm in a position where I'm continuing to grow as a person and um, I love what I do speaking in schools across the, you know, I'd love to expand that and continue to go around the, the country. Um, and I'd love to, yeah, I, I think, I, I feel like I'm going to be on TV. I don't know why. <laughs> I just have this feeling that there's something coming and I'm going to be on TV. So God only knows, but that's the gut feeling. I feel like this time next year. So we'll see. We'll Maybe put I'm it out putting it out there. Exactly right. Put it out there and uh, you might be able to know. it. Who knows? One of my school mums, she thinks I'm going on The Bachelor. I'm not on The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> but she catches me every now and then pretending to film me, to put together, to have me on this show. I'm definitely not, but um, very funny, isn't it? You <laughs> never know. You never know what's going to come up in life. I just yeah. kind of go with it. I seem to attract and create. Probably creates a big word. Many opportunities, you know. I always go where people don't think you could go. I go there, and then I yeah. keep going. So, stay tuned, I guess. No, for sure. And people can do that. The best way to follow you and your journey is at um, CF Mummy on Instagram. Yeah, and I've got a Facebook page, CF Mummy, which is just the letter C F and then the word Mummy, M U W M Y. Yeah, easy to find. Yeah. Well, yeah. Emma, thank you for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. I've really enjoyed the chat and basically just blew my mind with that story <laughs> of uh, you know, your birth parents. So I definitely will be reading that book. Yes. You have to, you have to give me, uh, we'll talk about it after. I'll send you a copy. <laughs> yeah, lovely. We'd love that. Um, well, thank yeah. you, Emma, again. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you hopefully soon. And uh, maybe once you've been on a TV show, you can, we can revisit find out how that went we'll see hey we'll know we'll wonder what it is no thank you so much for having me though josh i really appreciate talking to you today thank you i hope you enjoyed our interview join us each week as we talk with ordinary australians achieving extraordinary things if you know someone's making a difference then you can contact us through our instagram page inspirational.australians or head to our website www.awardsaustralia.com and you can nominate them help spread their story and share their message Awards Australia is a family-owned Australian business. Our awesome producer, Annette, is my mum. And the other podcast host, Jeff, is my dad. We proudly aim to make a difference in the lives of Australians. And we thank our corporate and not-for-profit partners for making our awards programs possible. Would your business like to know how to get involved? Contact us now. See our details in the show notes. Please subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss an episode. And please share this episode with your network 
to pay it forward. Who doesn't like to hear a positive good news story? We'd also greatly appreciate it if you review and rate the series as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Until next week, stay safe and remember, together we make a difference. Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together we make a difference.